It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Hi, this is Laura Pereno. I'm sure, like me, you've experienced some times of shaking in your life, and perhaps to an even greater extent these days, as so many things around us seem so uncertain. My new book, Unshakable God, His Character in Our Chaos, shares my personal story and a Bible study on the book of Joshua, showing how we can stand unshaken in these times if we hold on to the hand of our unshakable God. You can find Unshakable God on Amazon in print or Kindle format. For more information, email me at laura at lauraparenoministries.com. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Building. We are really excited today as we are finishing up our series that we have been talking about on being frozen. You know, I know Debbie is in Delaware and I'm in Tennessee and we are recording this in December and they just had in Delaware quite a large snowstorm on the East Coast there. And so I'm sure that today the word frozen is a word that is on many people's minds. As I've been looking through Facebook even, Deb, and I saw the really beautiful picture that you posted. There are icicles. There is water dripping that is freezing up very quickly. And it's such a a picture even I guess we can look at these whole concepts that we've been going through is that these times of freezing, God can use these times of freezing to become something beautiful in our lives, right? Things that freeze up when they become set free, when we see the beautiful way that God can use these things, it really is something that we can look back on and say that we are grateful for these times that we live through, even if they're not necessarily what we were expecting. So back a few weeks ago, I was able to share my story about having a frozen shoulder. And I can't help but think as I am in the recovery process right now from this situation that I was dealing with, how many times and how many places I have thought about the spiritual implications for what I was going through physically. We all do end up in a place of being frozen or unable to move. Uh, We could call it being stuck for a multiple uh, number of reasons. We've talked about a few with unforgiveness and bitterness and fear and anxiety. These things freeze us up. But we come to a place, I think, in all of our journeys where we just get to that point. And I know I got to that point physically where we just say, I cannot deal with this anymore. Like, I don't want to be frozen anymore. And I remember... My story all started in July, and by the time September rolled around, I thought, I just can't do this anymore. And so looking for a way to recover, I started going out there and and asking people, well, have you ever had this happen to you before, and and what would you do about it, or what did you do about it? What kind of doctor do you think I should see? And I'll tell you, Debbie, I had so many people give me so many different options on who to see. And I started going to all of these different kinds of doctors. I went to a rheumatologist because some people said it could be a blood issue. And I went to my family doctor because somebody else said it could be this kind of issue. I actually went to a podiatrist, right? Because (laughs) it could be related to something in my feet and it was a shoulder issue. And so just went so many different places. That just cracks me up. (laughs) I know. And actually looking back, and maybe this is all spiritual too, looking back, it it does crack me up at this time. 
all of the different avenues and ways that we try to reach out in order to find a way to get ourselves unstuck. And it wasn't until I went to the right doctor, an orthopedic doctor, who was the one who had the solution, <laughs> that I have found myself in recovery now, which is a process which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. But I had to go to the right person. I had to turn to the only one, the correct doctor, who would get me out of this place where I was stuck, out of this place where I was frozen. Something you kept saying, you just kept saying the same phrase, and I talked to this person, and I talked to that person. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Laura, how many times... Do we find ourselves even more stuck because our first go-to is asking for like recommendations on Facebook? Yes, yes. Right? For my frozen shoulder, what should I do? And you yes. have every uh, every option it comes up, you know, people start having you will drink this, it'll make you feel better. Yes, yes, and yes. You laugh about it, but how many times when we have issues that are not not about your shoulder, but we have emotional struggles or spiritual struggles you know where we're having battles with depression you think of january and february those are some hard i think they're some of the hardest months mm -hmm. for dealing with depression mm -hmm. dealing with anxiety and uh, just feeling overwhelmed how often we run to people for the help and for the direction and yet many of the people that we're running to are also struggling with the same problem yes you know, and we feel like we are really, we're, we're spinning our wheels. We're not making any headway. We're not getting any movement. And like you said, you wasted some time, yep. right? Running to different doctors and listening to people's opinions. If you had gone to that right doctor from That's the right. beginning. Now, it's, and you're an intelligent woman. So it's not that you were trying to make those choices, but how many times what's very accessible to us, what's very easy to us, the quick fix, you know, people promising you, you do read these, read this article and it'll have a quick fix for all of your depression issues. Your, your heart's in the right direction. You really are trying to get the help that you need, but you're still at the end of the day stuck and you're even more stuck than you were before. So some of those deep places of pain that are uh, the fear and the anxiety or or spiritually where you feel yourself just your heart getting cold, you know, towards the things that God loves. You're like, well, how do I get out of this? Save ourselves some time and go to the one who's the specialist, yep. the one who knows every cell of your being, who knows every emotion, who's watched everything that has ever happened to you. He is the ultimate doctor, right? He's yep. the great physician. Jehovah Rapha, which means Rapha means and healing. It's wholeness. Yep. It's completeness. It's like knocking, lacking in nothing. Yep, that's right. So he's the one that can really peel off what's the real issue. A lot of times the real issue um, is so hidden by layers of things that other people, um, you know, said, well, this is obviously what's causing your problem. And you deal with superficial issues, but the great physician, he will go, to the heart of the matter and honestly that's kind of scary sometimes yes right going to the heart of the matter is scary what if he wants me to deal with something that i really don't want to deal with well therein lies the answer yes right? we're gonna have to go to the deep issues but we'll be in the hands of a physician who knows exactly what he's doing i think of them the procedure that you had laura they they put you under for good reason Right. Yeah. So yeah, you don't want to remember it, but it is a very swift, like calculated movement to yep. unfreeze that shoulder. 
you don't want somebody who's not a specialist doing that to your body. Absolutely. The same thing with our spirit, the same thing with our tender emotions, especially when there's been a lot of hurt in there. The only one we should really trust to do that deep work is the one who knows everything about us, right? And who's, who's perfect in the way that he handles that healing process. But we don't have to be afraid of going to the real issues. Absolutely, Deb. It's interesting because when I uh, found out that I was going to be having this procedure, actually, I went to the doctor and he said, well, you have a couple options. You can get a shot in your arm. You can have a surgery where we, you know, we we cut you and then we go in and, and we do some things inside or we can do this thing called manipulation and we can not cut you and do everything that we would have done inside but by like you said using some very calculated um painful uh movements but of course you'll be asleep and i thought well i'm certainly going to go for that because why not try that first and so i remember uh, i kept saying well i'm just going to have a procedure i'm just going to have a procedure and every time i would go to the doctor they kept saying well when you come in for your surgery and there was something in my mind that because I wasn't going to get cut, that it wasn't a surgical procedure. And so I was downplaying it. I just kept saying, it's a procedure, it's not a surgery. If, if you see where I'm going with this, I kept downplaying what was going to happen to me because surgery means that you would have cut and stitches and you would be able to see on your body that there was something that you've just gone through. And how can I say to people I'm having surgery if like there's no stitches? They just yeah. equated, you know, it just the meant the, si- same the thing sympathy to me. factor goes down a little bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I remember I saw people afterwards and they were like, well, you have surgery, like you don't have a cast on whatnot. But there, I think this is a perfect picture of what happens to us. Um, you know, when we go through these procedures with Jesus, these places where he goes, like you said, to the deep places and he, he has to cut some things out and, and deal with some things. Um, I would not be somebody the very next day that if you saw them, you thought that anything was going on on the inside, but what was happening on the inside of me was just as significant and painful and broken up and, you know, uh, really, uh, severely dealt with as if I was wearing it on the outside of my body as well. And so it was also easy for me to think, well, this can't be a big deal. Like I don't have stitches. And sometimes I would even try to maybe go further than I should have gone. And my body quickly told me like, no, you are, you got to stop. You just had a major procedure. It's such a picture spiritually that we go through these times of recovery and not everybody else can see it on the outside. In mm-hmm. fact, probably nobody can see it on the outside. And yet the things that we go through are so painful. It just so happens the next day I remember I woke up and I had such a, a pain in one particular place. I had gotten that steroid shot as well, right? So sometimes when we go through these places, the Lord is just doing all this stuff on the inside of us that we don't even realize is happening. And it, it is a painful walk. But it has to start with that first, um, okay, I submit to going under, right? We have zero control when we're under. I submit to going under, Lord, and letting you do on the inside that I can't even see. Um, I let you do that, and I'm going to surrender to whatever the plan is here. 
it was a very painful place, even though I didn't wear any marks on my body that this had happened. And I can't help but think this is the reason that I am constantly like stretching my arm out on every door frame that I see. And I'm constantly putting my hand by my back and making sure I can go there still because I don't want to go back to that painful place. I want to stay unfrozen. I want to stay recovered. And there's a, a really significant piece to that as well. You know, if you look at characters in the Bible and you, you study their lives and where did they get stuck? How did Jesus get them unstuck? And do they ever get stuck again or do they walk in freedom? Mm-hmm. Right. It's just good. To, I think of Peter. I mean, I, I love Peter. He's uh, there's there's many pieces of Peter I relate to. But Peter had big, you know, he had big plans and he was a big talker. And he made all these promises about, you know, I would die for you, Jesus. And I'll always be here for you. And I'll never deny you you and Jesus is just looking at him smiling with that knowing you know knowing what's coming and when you think of you know Peter is following Jesus those three years and he's in that inner circle and God is using him in a powerful way even as just a disciple of Jesus when it push comes to shove and he's in that garden of Gethsemane his reaction to them coming to arrest Jesus is he pulls out a sword and he cuts off the ear of a servant who, and Jesus immediately heals it kind of like, I oh, shouldn't mm-hmm. have done that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we think of that scene where, you know, first of all, that would, that would feel kind of like a slight. If I was Peter, like I was just defending you. Yes. Why, why are you yes. the only person I just protected you from? Yes. Yes. By the way, it wasn't the soldier. It was a servant, right? He just went after the wrong guy. But then he gets her, Jesus gets arrested. And what does Peter do? He runs. Mm-hmm. And we, we read, you know, in the gospels where there's three times in one night that Peter denies big, brave Peter, right? I'll never, I'll go and die for you. Big, brave Peter denies Jesus three times. And then he hears the rooster crow. Yep. And at that point, that place of failure, that place of shame, and you know, the enemy came in like a flood to tell him what a loser you know, of a friend you are. Peter got stuck in that place. He had got overwhelmed feeling of guilt and shame. And he could not get out of that place of being unstuck. You know, he just, everything kind of hunkers down through the death of Christ and the resurrection. But emotionally, he he felt like a failure. Spiritually, he felt like he had just let down the son of God. And, and how do you recover from that? He got stuck. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting here. And this is kind of what I was uh, just sharing. I don't want to go back, right? When we find ourselves in a stuck place, we tend to go backwards instead of going forwards like we're called to do. And that's exactly what happened with Peter. And it happens with us too. When we get into a place that we're stuck, we tend to go back to what's familiar to us rather Mm -hmm. than being where God has called us to be. Peter went back. He went back to fishing. He left where he was headed. He left following Jesus, you know, not just because it was a difficult road and he saw, you know, Jesus was being arrested, but because in his shame and in his guilt, he was frozen and he he couldn't go forward. And so you could kind of say, just like what was happening to me, you know, my range of motion uh, became stuck and I couldn't go forward anymore. And so his range of motion was cut off. It was stopped and he went backwards. Um, that is huge, 
huge when it comes to our spiritual walk. When we find ourselves in a place that we're frozen, we tend to go backwards when we should be walking forward into recovery. Can you picture Peter on the boat right now? He he loved fishing. That's what he knew was what he was familiar with. But the la- he in that period of time between when he left fishing to this moment, he had seen dead people risen. You know, yeah. he had seen multitudes fed with. Yeah. I mean, he had yeah. seen miracle after miracle. He'd heard all these teachings. I wonder what was going on in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Casting that net. Oh, yeah. Remember the cast on the other side? And, yeah. You know, there were yeah. all these memories that were coming back and the enemy would come in in that place. In yeah. that what used to be comfortable. Yeah. Is no longer comfortable because yeah. now you've tasted something different. Yeah, absolutely. And Debbie, even like you just said, imagine him on the boat thinking these things. He's thinking about people being resurrected. Or how about the paraplegic that came down, right? And what did Jesus say? You're healed and you're forgiven. And yet Peter is there in in sin and shame and he needs to be forgiven. And he's thinking, he's got all these memories about all these people who were forgiven. And yet what does he feel unworthy of? Right. Being forgiven. That's so true. That is a great point. How beautiful that in that place where Peter was stuck, Jesus knew where to find him. Amen. Right? That's Peter right. Peter didn't move towards Jesus. And That's Jesus right. Shows up on shows up on the on the beach and he counters yep. Jesus again. He goes to his comfortable place, right? Yep. That is no longer comfortable. Jesus has an encounter with him there on the water, and it's at that place that Jesus um, speaks the future into Peter. You know, Peter, do you love me? feed my sheep. And he says this three times. And it's like, I have not given up on you. You know, amen. Amen. Heals the place of failure and he removes the shame and the calling that was on his life at the beginning is still there. He says, don't get frozen. Don't return to that place of being stuck. Jesus pursued him. And, and, you know, anybody else would have said, well, guess Jesus is dead. Peter's a fisherman. It's all right. Like he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. But inside there was a piece of him that had died. Absolutely. You know, and Jesus pursued him and restored him right in that place. Absolutely. It's the same thing with my shoulder, right? Just like you said, people probably just thought, oh, he's back at fishing and he's doing fine. He probably didn't look like he was in a very uh, big spiritual emotional crisis on the inside and yet here he was um, so stuck that it took him backwards you know in the natural in the the earthly world that we live in like the doctor was not going to come pursue me right no. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't there wasn't news on facebook that laura has a frozen shoulder and some orthopedic doctor just decides here i am i'm gonna i'm here to say you know rescue you from this uh pain and this lack of movement And while there are certainly places in the word and and we definitely want to be people who are pursuing Jesus and seeking him out, I do believe and I think Peter's story is evidence to the fact that we can be so stuck and our range of motion can be so limited that Jesus in his mercy sees that we are not going to come to him, right, because of these stuck places that we're in. And he comes to us you know the bible says what he's he came to seek and save the lost and so he comes to us he pursues us he wants to have an encounter with us and so peter had that encounter with jesus and when he had that encounter with jesus just like i had an encounter with a surgeon peter got his movement back life 
is all about encountering Jesus, Deb. I, I just see it more and more in every situation that I'm in, in these places that we're in that are so crazy. We can encounter so much crazy in our day, but we've got to encounter Jesus if we're going to keep ourselves in a place of recovery, in a place where we don't go backwards. Um, I remember, Debbie, a while back, you and I were at the same banquet and you shared um, an example about what happens, uh, well, you know, the the whole example that you had about the sponge and, and oh, the yeah. water jar, that just really is a great picture. Can you share that, um, really referencing what we're talking about today? I think of, uh, we're talking about today how to stay in recovery from whatever it was that had gotten us stuck. The key is to keep returning to the source of the healing. Right? Amen. That's that, that time, that time alone, it's your quiet time where you're really studying the word and you're listening to the father speak to you. Amen. It, that's where he pours in, he refills. So what I, what you're referring to, it was actually um, a celebration of all these folks at church who serve, right? Who are yep. constant, whether they're teaching or serving in any capacity to help other people in their journey of healing. That is a, a wonderful group of people, right? To be able to spend time with. One of the challenges with the people who have desires to serve and desires to help others is that if you don't refill yourself then you will find yourself not being able to help others and I use this analogy I had a, a bowl of water and I had a big sponge in my hand like the big cleaning sponge and I I stuck it down in the water and it was just dripping with with liquid and I kept pouring it out into different containers just describing like you know that desire to put some water here some water there and it's like that pouring out it's the pouring out of your time of your resources of your emotional energy of your your thinking I mean all of it whatever you're doing to reach out to other people but it got to a point Lara where I had no water left in the sponge yep and it's not that the sponge was the sponge wasn't frozen Right, but the the sponge had nothing left. Yep. So in recovery, if we don't prioritize that refilling and going back to the source of healing, going back to the source of truth, yep. going back to the source of forgiveness, all whatever it is, we we can't give it to other people, and then we get stuck. It's almost yep. like a hose, you know. Look, uh, we had to take our hoses in about a month ago and drain the water out because today, a day like today, our hose would have water in it and it would be frozen and nothing would flow yep. through it freely we have to be able to um, keep things uh, in you have to have a constant source to for water to flow yep that's it right it has to be connected right that's right so for us uh, if we are folks who really want to stay in recovery so that we can help others in recovery we have got to prioritize keeping ourselves healed by spending time with the healer. That's right. Amen. Amen. That is it, Debbie. Uh, it's not a a one and done, no. right? We don't we don't just say I had the surgery, I'm fine. And in fact, you know, I'm going to be in PT for a long time. When I went back for my uh, two week checkup, I thought that I was rolling. I really felt like I was strong. And when they did the strength test, I have such limited strength in that arm. And um, I was only supposed to have eight rounds of PT, and he gave me fourteen more. Laura, let me more. let me ask you a question, right? Because I'm smiling because because I still am a therapist. Yeah. Actually, by the time you listen to the podcast, I no longer have my license. But you thought you were strong until you were tested. 
Yes, absolutely. You are so right. I went in there and honestly, when he said like push up on my or keep your arms as strong as you can and I'm going to push down, one of my arms stayed where it was supposed to be. The other one just went, whoa. And I'm somebody <laughs> who, you know, I'm not a huge workout person, but I have lifted weights. I, whenever I do those like strength tests, I'm fine. I was shocked at how weak I was. And honestly, if he hadn't done that test on me, that's a great point, Debbie. If he hadn't done that test on me and he'd given me 14 more times at PT, I probably would have gone 14. I'm fine. And I know me. I might have gone for one or two. I would not have gone for the 14. But because I went through that test, I love that because I saw how weak I was. I have already scheduled my PT well into 2021. I'm going to take every one of those uh, 14 appointments and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. It's really, really a great perspective. I am not going to be frozen again. (laughs) And that, what a great parallel that is from a spiritual standpoint. God knows what's coming ahead in our lives. Amen. That is exactly right. You know, from a spiritual standpoint, if we uh, look at the word of God, there is a there is a passage, and I think we use it a lot, Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Um, it talks about God doing uh, new things, and it's I love the wording here. It's actually in the Good News translation um, that I, I really thought about it with this particular podcast, but it talks about the fact that we are not supposed to look back. We just want to look forward. Yeah, that word cling, it's, it says, well, let's just read it, Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened a long time ago. Watch for the new thing that I'm going to do. It's happening already. You can Mm. see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams there of water there. That word cling, you and I both love to tear scripture apart and look at at the wording. But that word cling, it means like we think of something that clings to you, it sticks to you, right? Like yep. Static cling, yep. that sock that follows you around yes. after you do your laundry. <laughs> something is sticking it, you know, it meant it's a thought pattern, it's a memory and that it comes back to you. Now, here's the challenge. How in the world do you not think about things that have happened in the past? Because it doesn't erase that they happened. The key is the word, don't let it cling. Don't let it get stuck to you. How do you do that? Look at what the scripture says. Don't cling to the events of the past or dwell. Dwell on what happened long ago. You know, the enemy would love to say to a Peter, yeah, but you cut off the guy's ear and then you betrayed Jesus. I'm sorry, you denied him three times. Remember, remember, remember your failure. And Jesus is going, yeah, that happened. Remember my forgiveness. Remember my healing? Yeah. I'm doing a new thing in you, Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Yeah. No, it didn't change what we know to be true about Peter, but what defined Peter yep. was the new thing that God was going to do yep. in his life. Yep. And I think that one of the ways that we don't dwell on what happened long ago, you know, as we start this verse off, is Peter failed. But rather than dwelling in that failure, that failure in the recovery actually became a platform. Oh, absolutely. That became, I mean, what do we talk about all the time? Peter's recovery, right? It became a platform. Sometimes when we, our testimony, we overcome by the word of our testimony. And we take those places where we were broken. And rather than dwelling there in the past, 
we use those places as a platform. We we speak them out to whatever degree God tells us to, and we uh, live out that testimony. We are not going to dwell in that place, and that's where the enemy cannot have a foothold in our minds. You know, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, so he is always scheming. What can I say? What yep. can I put in her, her head to trip her up, to get her stuck in the past? And so here's here's just a practical thing that works like a champ. When the enemy accuses you of things that have been already forgiven, right? I'm not talking about stuff that we haven't dealt with, but things that have already been covered by the blood, right? Forgiven and you've moved past it. He brings it to your mind. Let that be a trigger for you to begin to worship God. Amen. Begin to thank him for his forgiveness. And God, I'm so excited for how you're going to use the past you know, failures to become a platform for ministry. And I bless what you want to do. You start allowing satan's reminder of your past to project you into a time of worship exactly he's going to go bother somebody else yes because every time he brings up your failure it it backfires on him yes so that that is a great way to, to remain unstuck is you don't have to be afraid of remembering things if they come up it's not god bringing them up it's not the holy spirit triggering it's always the enemy just let it project you into a time of Amen. worshiping. I, you know that song Frozen? <laughs> the song <laughs> yes. Let It Go? Yes. That honestly, oh, it just gets stuck in your head and yes. it never goes away. Yes. But what, yes. what a profound truth, you know? It's let it go. It's not saying it didn't happen. Yep. But don't keep holding on. Don't clinging to it. It doesn't define you any longer. Yep. Amen. You know, the second part of that verse says that we're to watch for the new thing that he's going to do because it's already happening. It's happening already. And it says, you know, you can see it now. And God is making a road through the wilderness. He's giving us streams of water. That's pretty water. cool, isn't it? Because we talked about <laughs> we talked about the fact that, uh, you know, you can be frozen, right? Or you can continue to flow through. You use water in both of your examples there. It's pretty cool. But the way that we are going to stay un- unstuck, the way that we're going to stay unfrozen, the way that we're going to continue to go forward is by watching, intentionally watching. You know, there's there's a difference between just looking and seeing something happen and watching for something to happen. And God is doing a new thing. God was doing a new thing in Peter's life, even through his failure. And God is doing a new thing in my life, as I've learned so much, even through this journey uh, of strength and, and PT and whatnot. There is a new thing ahead. We may not see it. And I think that that's the hard place, right? We don't want to go back and we're in the present. And sometimes we can't see what the new thing is. But God says, Keep watch for it. Keep watching because I'm already doing it. And all because you can't see the evidence yet. Don't give up the watch. I think watch is one of those verbs that is, um, it's constant. It just keeps going. It's a, it's a don't stop watching. Don't stop giving up. Um, you know, honestly, I was, I was very doubtful. I would be happy to have had the pain gone. And spiritually, I know we want that pain going so many times, but I honestly have to say I doubted, I really doubted that after how um, far gone my range of motion was, that I was really going to get my full range of motion back. I really did doubt it, even though the doctor said it would happen. But I am getting my range of motion back. And every time that I can do something now that I wasn't able to do in July, I celebrate it. Yeah, when even the I, small things, each degree. Yeah, 
I emptied the dishwasher and I used to have to make sure that I put the glasses on the bottom shelf of the top cabinets with my left hand because mm -hmm. I couldn't be sure that I wasn't going to drop or break a glass. I emptied the dishwasher now. I literally, I'm, I'm a pretty happy person. It's not my favorite thing to do in the world, but I'm a pretty happy person emptying the dishwasher right now. When I can um, do things that were causing me pain and, and range of motion was not happening. When I put my seatbelt on now, Debbie, I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, I just did my seatbelt. Like, I didn't have to put my left hand up, grab it, and bring it to my right hand in order to buckle my buckle. Simple, simple things become a celebration. I doubted it would ever happen again, but it's like, I'm not done yet. Now that I've seen small evidences of what this process looks like as I walk through recovery, I am watching for even greater range to be restored. If we will watch the baby steps that of recovery, you know, Peter himself, how about this? He, you know, he was, he was had range of motion before he failed. His range was definitely limited um, after he failed, but spiritually my arm will never go beyond 180 degrees when it's straight. Like that's what it was created to do. Peter's ministry, his life, the way God used him to reach us with the gospel, it went, his range went so far beyond what his range had been before the procedure. Um, it, it's just shocking. I'm sure that he never anticipated that he would go to the length or the, the, the depth of what God had for him next. It's just, it's shocking. You know, you mentioned a number of times that nobody could really see from the outside what was going on in your life, mm -hmm. right? You looked okay. What a good reminder as we go through our interactions with people. You don't know who is broken on the inside, you know, and sometimes yep. you see somebody that's, oh, they're just a crank. Right? Yes, yes. Right? Or they're just aggressive. Yes. You know, or they're highly competitive and, they, you know, you feel like you're always being measured up against them. And yes. it's just those, it's those judgments that we tend to make towards people. What if we were discerning, the Holy Spirit was saying, if you could see what was happening on the inside. Yes. Why is that person so cold why is that yes. person so stern in their face because they are scared to death on the inside yep and I, and we need to we need to follow jesus's example of you know he well he treated everybody with compassion he knew who was broken yep. who was scared he knew who was in pain yep. emotional pain emotional pain mental pain it it sometimes i think people wish they had a cast yes on because yes. people are more tender towards those who have some kind of adaptive equipment with yep. them. Yeah. So as we are walking through, uh, we, you know, we're coming unstuck, we're becoming mm -hmm. unfrozen uh, just to be God, I may your compassion that you showed towards me in my healing and mm -hmm. patience as I began to regain one degree of spiritual motion again at a time that you were, you were just kind in the yep. way that you spoke with me, in the way you listened, in the way you encouraged me, this could be a huge, this could be a huge opportunity for you and I to be able to really help other people walk out of their frozen place and healing. You know, first of all, you tell your story, Yep. right? Tell your story spiritually or emotionally where God set you free because it plants a seed of hope for them, mm -hmm. you know, that I don't have to be stuck like this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. don't be ashamed of where God has brought you from. 
Yep. You know, I would like to not revisit my breakdown at 22. Yep. But I have learned that the more times God has asked me to share it, it has really encouraged people because they look at me today and they can't picture it's the same person, mm-hmm. right? But it truly, it's not the same person. He's made me so different. Yep. But I remember how awful that felt. Yep. Yep. So as you begin to share your story, people are looking at you going, well, if he did it for you, would That's he right. want to do this for me? That's right. And I just think if the, if the church, the people of the church, right, the church at large could walk with greater humility, we can walk with greater compassion. I think there will be that when it's one of the best things for helping a very broken world come through and experience their own level of of healing and and breaking out of that frozen place. Yeah, and I also think that uh, along with us wanting to be those compassionate people toward others uh, who may be going through some significant situations, uh, it's important for us to allow others to help us to when we're going through times, you know, we all or so many of us, okay, I want to look strong (laughs) in the situations that I'm in when Maybe it's a time of weakness for me, but I don't want to be perceived as somebody who has an issue or needs help or that I'm struggling. And so I I often, I know myself, I, I tend to keep things on the inside so that I don't, um, and so I don't receive help from people. Uh, my husband, the day of, well, a couple of weeks before the surgery, he found out the day of the surgery that he was going to have to be out of town and he felt terrible about it. And I just kept saying, they're not cutting me. I'm going to be perfectly fine. I will find a friend to drive me. And it's drive just me a home. procedure. It's just exactly. It's just a procedure. And um, it's pretty funny because, well, that the night before all, of course, he ended up on the doorstep. You know, he can't had canceled the, the trip that he was supposed to be on for business. And um, my hero, right, ends up at the door. And I said to him, why did you do that? I'm, you're going to see tomorrow. I'm just going to be perfectly fine. So he takes me to the doctor and don't you know, I came out in a wheelchair so drugged up (laughs) and honestly asking for donuts, which just cracks me up, Um, asking for donuts. He brought me home. I had no idea what happened that night, went to bed and um, and needed some significant help for the next couple of days. I had told him he could leave. Now, my girlfriend found out that he wasn't not supposed to be here and she had offered to come and hang with me. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to be perfectly fine. Well, she already had told herself I'm going to be spending a couple nights at Laura's house because she's going to need me, even though she thinks she does not. Right. right? We need to be those people who, who allow other people to help us. I would have been a mess if I had not. And honestly, I didn't say yes. Somebody just showed up at my door. So um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that other people look past our stubborn attitude sometimes and our um, self-sufficient attitude and, and realize that we are people who have needs too. Well, it's pride. So, it's pride. It, is. You don't it totally anybody. is. And if I had just succumbed to that pride or other people allowed me to stay in the pride, I guess I should say, I would. my recovery would not have been so pleasant. I had somebody take care of me around the clock for a couple of days, and I'm very grateful for that. So I can say that I'm on a road to full recovery now because I had good people standing around me, good people praying for me, you know, behind the scenes too. So I'm grateful for that. Recovery doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And I think uh, really as we wrap this up, Deb, I just think the last final thing to say is give yourself grace in the recovery process. Accept help from other people. Don't think that you're going to become unfrozen overnight. It didn't happen to Peter. didn't happen physically to me. Um, It doesn't happen. (laughs) Like Jesus sets us 
free, but then the Bible tells us how to continue to walk in that freedom. So give yourself some grace, um, take the help and stay in that place of restoration that God has prepared for you. You know, that that's a great lead in. I know you didn't plan it, but it's a great lead in for our February series. I can't believe we're at the end of January, but if mm-hmm. we so desperately need each other, why is it mm-hmm. that there's so much um, tension <laughs> in mm. the most important relationships in our lives. And so in Good February point. on Beyond the Building, Laura and I are going to be focusing on the topic of relationships. There's a lot of different ways we can go there. These are relationships are a gift from the Father to us, but so often we struggle in different aspects of our relationships. We actually have a special guest that will be joining us on one of the podcasts. We're really excited to uh, roll that out pretty soon. So we are really grateful that you have spent um, the first month of 2021 with us on Beyond the Building podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. If this has resonated with you, we ask that you would share it with your friends and uh, let's help build the community of Beyond the Building listeners. Uh, we love your input. We love your ideas. If there's a way that we can pray for you, we would uh, welcome the opportunity to get an email from you at beyondwomensconference at gmail.com. And we'll be in touch. So thank you again from Laura Perino and Debbie Kiever for joining us as we conclude January uh, Beyond the Building called Frozen. So thank you, everybody. Have an amazing end of your month. We love you. Bye-bye. Thanks. We believe that God will use what we share to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more. Thank you.